You're listening to episode 81 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Guys, I don't think this show is very good for me. Like, half a year ago, I got kidnapped by the Russian hand. And just last week, Pete and I, we, we like, were, we disappeared from reality. And we listened to that episode. How? How are you back? back? We're back, baby. But how? It was the nicest week I've ever had. I, I can I'm say not that. Sure. I'm not sure how we're back. I don't think it's any, like, first of all, we fought Thanos. Pete and I. Yeah, so I, I just I think it's really nice how while the two of us are out in the middle of the universe, God knows where, fighting the Mad Titan himself, and you're here talking shit, saying you want just want to take us off the show. I mean, I especially do now. You're sitting here bragging. I mean, I'm not bragging. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> Ooh, a little. I'm rich enough. I can afford my own iron suit. I get to run around and fight Thanos <laughs> on uh, Saturn. Uh, uh, shut up, Kale. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys. we were inside we were inside the soul stone for a bit and that place is weird and all Pete kept saying while we were in there is go introduce me to the rock and i said no fuck you i'm not introducing you to the rock <laughs> and finally he does go up to rock and he says rock i love you can you be in venom too and i said oh my god i'm embarrassed that's um it's really sad that you were able to get out um, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta wow. part the, I'm gonna part the kimono here for a second. I really wish I could, I really wish I could pull off a legitimate Kiwi accent because I was gonna, I was gonna make the rock Korg from Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> I was gonna do that joke. <laughs> so just picture that. Yeah, part the kimono. Kale, Kale has said that on the show like two or three times now and it's become a part of my vernacular. Like I actually used it in conversation the other day instead of, I was like, I'm going to say pull back the curtain. I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to part the kimono here for a second. Yeah, well, you know, cancer does spread, so. All right. Well, let me uh, part the kimono. Oh, my God. No. I mean, that's a great point, Phil. Uh, I'm going to part the kimono here and let you guys know where you can find us on the Internet. Uh, We are on Apple Podcasts, where we are a five-star rated podcast. Uh, It's a beautiful gift you guys have given us, so keep on giving it. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Um, and uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Of course, you can write to us with a random question of the week, a buy or sell, or comments on this or any other episode of the show. Uh, and last but not least, we're on YouTube, where you can like this video, share it with your friends, uh, and subscribe to our channel for more awesome content like this. It's free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Uh, and of course, we do have the Deadpool Cares package uh, that is still on the line. It is still on the line. Uh, next week is the last opportunity that you guys have to sign up for that. All you have to do is comment on the uh, Episode 79 Infinity War Review YouTube video. Uh So you comment with your favorite scene from the movie. Uh, Make sure to like the video as well and be a subscriber to our channel and share the video with your friends. If you do those things, we will check. If you do those things, uh, you'll be entered in the running for this giveaway. Uh, You'll be winning the entire Daniel Way run on Deadpool, which if you're a fan of Deadpool... That's uh, some of the best stuff, right? And if so. you don't know, it's that's ten books. We're sending you ten volumes of comics. Is so? Is it ten books, or are you saying that for emphasis? That's that's a lot of books. 
Both. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> and, and listen, we'll say your name on the podcast. Uh, we will say your name on the podcast. Um, like we're about to say the name of Jimmy, who actually has submitted his entry for this giveaway. So, Pete, why don't you take it away? All right. So, uh, Jimmy wrote in on episode 79, just like you, Ken, and said, My favorite part of Infinity War is when Iron Man's team uh, on Titan fought Thanos. Those scenes had so many cool things going on, and it was amazing to see them actually pin Thanos down. The tension in this scene was amazing, even though I knew they weren't going to win. The movie was amazing. All right. Yeah. I agree with you, man. That yeah. was that was my favorite like overall sequence in the film, I think. I think so too. Like especially if you consider the like that fight beforehand where like it was I guess like the five of them like fighting Thanos. Um yeah, like that whole that like interplay of their I I meant I'm sorry. I know he included that in there as well. Like I meant um before the pinning down of Thanos. Like that whole uh interaction between like Doctor Strange and Spider-Man's powers was like just so fun and um when Doctor Strange pulls out the uh you know the crazy like 10 arms throws a million whips like that was just next level. Like I think that was the best effect sequence in the movie. The way you know that scene is good and effective is last week or two weeks ago when we did the review, Marco said that he didn't like it because it was too comic booky. That is the metric for the scene being good. <laughs> yeah. And we made him disappear as a result. <laughs> is that all it takes? Because we could, you know, we could keep this permanent, right? Like, it could just be us. Is that Sean's strategy every week? Is like, whenever someone's good, it's like, we could just get rid of them. I mean, it could just be us, as long as I'm here, you know? <laughs> Listen, this is, this will be by far your least favorite com- combination of pals, Sean. You don't want this. <laughs> You don't want this. Kel, if you you keep talking that way, I'm going to make you disappear next week. God, please. Please, (laughs) just let me go. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, So, again, uh, Jimmy, thank you for writing in. We always appreciate that. And uh, Jimmy has now entered into the Deadpool Cares giveaway. If you want to do that, again, just to reiterate, all you've got to do is write in on episode 79 and let us know your favorite uh, scene from the movie, like the video, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you'll be entered into win. So, uh, I think that means it's time for me to ask you guys a question. Oh, so... Does that mean it's time for the random question? The random question of the week! Fuck you, Kale. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) That was just... That was just weird. I pulled Uh, my headphones off. I didn't... My, I didn't go deaf. I mean, I, I, I leaned back this far, so... <laughs> Still blew out the mic. Well... Piece of shit. Whatever, you got baby ears, you piece of shit. All right. Guys, I... I, I guys. <laughs> baby ears. My ears are the exact size of an adult human being. Thank you very much. They're an appropriate size for a man my age. Sean, do you think Pete is secretly Black Bolt? Uh, secretly no. an asshole. <laughs> Is that a secret? The, re- the reason why I don't think he's Black Bolt is because we've been in the room with him when he's yelled like that, and we're alive. My skin didn't get melted off, so Marco's not here. He does well, it hey. every he does it every week when we're still right. here. So. Maybe we're immune. So, anyways, uh, we just talked about Avengers: Infinity War. Uh, this movie has made. $850 worldwide. And, of course, Disney is super excited and happy about this. So, um, 
the uh, Bob Iger, the Walt Disney Corporation uh, ECO, uh, talked about what's next during a shareholders call. And he said that they were going to go forward with a new franchise beyond the Avengers. And that sparked me thinking, what the hell is he talking about? Right? Like, what does that mean? So uh, the random question this week is going to be, I want you guys to name me three idea, three alternative ideas for franchises, not the Avengers. So I'm talking about superhero teams, not solo characters, something that they could build around, um, but not necessarily the traditional Avengers. One I've seen floating around uh, is the Ultimates, um, which I think they could use. <clears throat> they could use either in, uh, you know, sort of a, an ultimate, you know, line, you know, uh, so similar to what we talked about a, a couple weeks ago, the Mark Miller Avengers of the Ultimate Universe Ultimates. Uh, but the the picture I saw with this article that put forward this idea was the most recent incarnation with Carol Danvers and Galactus, Black Panther, and um, um, the Blue Marvel, and there's someone else. Oh, Monica Rambeau. Um, I could see them doing some form of Ultimates. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> I think what they're going to do is they're going to lead their new initiative of Phase 4 with Alpha Flight, starring all Canadian Wolverine, eh? (laughs) 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 This is my great chance to step out into the limelight, eh? I thought it was. I thought it was cold in here. We just let the let the window open for this guy to just walk in. <laughs> oh, in Canada, it's cold everywhere, eh? God, this is awful. Um, so yeah, Alpha Flight. That's what's coming back. No, it's not. It's coming back like it was here in the first place. <laughs> Your old friend Wolverine never left, Hoser. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, okay. Do you have a real? <laughs> a real pick. Well, you said three, right? So yeah. Alpha Flight's one. Uh, well, we keep hearing things about the Eternals. Maybe that's option number two. I was thinking the same thing. And, uh, and maybe in a in a different world, uh, the Fantastic Four. So yeah, I think I think I sort of want the Fantastic Four to be my answer because I think I what I think they could do is take the next phase. And use like in you know unconnected movies until the Fantastic Four come in, and they just sort of pull you know make that the the thread that pulls everything together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're bringing up Fantastic Four, obviously X Men is like another thing to consider. Um, but I don't know. I like it. I don't really think it's either of those things. But yeah, that's like I, I don't necessarily either. That's West Coast Avengers. See, like, that's where my mind immediately went, but he said, like, not Avengers, right? Great Lakes well, Avengers. Not, not traditional Avengers. So right. that's right. So that's like, I feel like West Coast Avengers seems like a thing that would really make sense. I feel like, especially with where we're at, where there's so many established superheroes now, like in the MCU, that like there are enough to have there are enough to have two distinct teams fight each other. You know, so like I don't see why you couldn't have like some subsection of those characters relocate to the West Coast and deal with different kinds of threats or whatever. Um, 
Phil, you mentioned the Great Lakes Avengers, but we already know they're getting a TV show. So I think we all know where they're really going. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's going to be the Inhumans. <laughs> nah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're maybe uh, an incarnation of uh, the Young Avengers because we do we all we do also have a confirmation of Cassie Lang in ant-man i i could see them doing something that would be like maybe a play on either like the new avengers uh what was that storyline they did where they had like the initiative and it was was that what it was called the initiative where they were bringing all the young heroes to see who was going to be the next like generation of avengers like maybe something like that kind of coupled with how they handled um uh spider-man for a bit in the ultimate universe where it was like yo okay like there's this new generation of of young superheroes emerging and like they need guidance in the same way that like peter did so like let's get a couple of them together and like have him lead a team or something like that since he's the one that's oh, most established okay. similar similar to the spider-man the animated uh ultimate spider-man yeah well that was like that too yeah but that was even itself pulled from the book because at the end of uh, like Ultimate Peter Parker's run, there was a new storyline that had been established where he was gonna basically go through Avengers training and like he was gonna like tra- like he trained with Iron Man once and he was like trained with Cap and like you know uh-huh. it, was, it was very short lived because immediately afterwards they had made the decision to kill him. So so I don't know. I I feel like something like that could probably work and it could be an opportunity for them to introduce. Um, some other characters, like maybe, uh, like we're retiring Hawkeye, maybe at the end of Avengers 4, maybe we get Kate Bishop, you know, like, um, maybe we, we see Kamala Khan or like we see some of those other kinds of characters who are like younger, who've maybe come up in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I feel like it might be time to start introducing a new generation of heroes who this, you know, next wave can be like kind of led by, you know, like we pass the torch to them in a way. Hey, Sean, who do you think should uh, take over for the MCU? So I have a few suggestions. Takeover, that's tough. Um, I, I I don't... Wait, like NXT? Any... <laughs> oh, <laughs> Whoa, nice! He <laughs> made that reference. Surprised. I bit my tongue. I don't get it. Wrestling. Oh. Uh, yeah, if you don't get it, it's wrestling. So I, I do think that there will be an Avengers franchise. I don't know that it'll be called plain old Avengers. I think Ultimate's suggestion by Kale is really good, but I think they'll go with new Avengers. Uh, I think that's a that's a tagline that, you know, a lot of comic book fans have a lot of respect for because of what Bendis did in those early years, and um, I could definitely see a scenario where they go with those characters, especially when you consider that that's the next wave, is all those characters that, you know, uh, the characters that have been introduced since Phase 2 uh, those are the characters who will most likely be seeing carry the torch into Phase Four. Yeah. And so I think that New Avengers is a perfect, a perfectly appropriate tagline for them because actually I don't know that any of them really have been christened Avengers for the most part. Some of them have, but Just not Spidey. all. Just Spidey. Um, Falcon. S- yeah, Spidey and Falcon. Well, yeah. Scarlet yeah. Witch. Yeah. Vision. Well, Vision's. Visions, no, Scarlet Witch is technically not an Avenger because she got kicked out. Well, she will. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Well, I guess Falcon really isn't either then. Well, exactly. they're part of they're part of Cap's secret Avengers. Yeah, which you know. Oh boy, I would fuck with a secret Avengers movie, man. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, the ship has sailed on that. If they would have done it, if they were going to do it, it would have needed to be 
in the interim between Civil War and this, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but to be fair, that's kind of what uh, Winter Soldier was, yeah. but like just with a smaller team. And then I also think Thunderbolts is a thing we could see. I've seen uh, that thrown around quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. like the Thunderbolts, and I. What think- are we? Some kind of Suicide Squad? Oh. <laughs> that, sounded, in, that sounded like Hank Hill whenever he gets home. <laughs> in, in 80 episodes, I don't think I've ever heard anything almost make Sean vomit as, as oh quick as God. that. Like, if you guys aren't on the YouTube version, you, you're going to want to go watch that video. Uh that was that was that like oh just a look of like genuine terror just like oh god no wow man. fuck <laughs> <laughs> the world's different now <laughs> you done Canadian Wolverine all right Phil um and then uh, the last thing that I could think of that I think makes sense would be Illuminati. I I think I could see a scenario where Infinity Watch, uh, Infinity Watch is a team that comes across after the whole Infinity Saga that basically is supposed to guard the Infinity Stones. And I could see the Illuminati kind of taking over that role and being the people who are responsible for that in addition to protecting Earth from a Thanos-like invasion ever again, which dovetails perfectly into the Skrulls. Um, because in the comic books, the reason that the Skrulls invade Earth in, during the secret invasion is because, uh, the, the Illuminati, like, mess with them. So something happens that I can't remember. This was a long time ago. The Illuminati somehow interfere in what the Skrulls are doing, and that causes them to put their, their sights onto Earth once again. Um, so I could definitely see something like that occurring. So those are my three picks. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting time, sort of seeing where they go next, uh, and and what team. Like we could even see a force, right? The the all um, all woman Avengers team. That's something or, that could happen. It'd be dope. Or a or a flight segments over. I'll make you take done. a flight here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Kale might need to take a flight to you to deal with you. Cool. I'll cuddle with him later. Okay. Uh, so, uh, let's move on to some pals pulls. Uh, from Phil, we've got the Wild Storm, number 13. So, yeah, that's uh, Warren Ellis's, uh super condensed uh, imagining of the Wild Storm universe into a single title. Uh, I read the first 12 issues last week, and that book is really good. It's like, it's like an HBO series as a book. Full of like huh. uh, 2010 conspiracies. Um, I I never I, I, I kind of secretly uh, am fascinated by the Wildstorm universe. I haven't read a ton of it. Uh, I know like uh, Warren Ellis's The Authority is really really highly regarded and was what Bruce Tim used to base Justice League Unlimited on. Um, is that right? That is yeah. He's he said it on like the commentary for those for those episodes. Um, huh. Anyway, uh, it's really good, and the art is fantastic. It, like, it's very consistent and streamlined. Um, I think this is something everyone should check out. I don't know how much attention this book is really getting, but it's really solid. I bought the first like five or so, and I never read one of the issues. 
<laughs> like I was so excited for it when it was uh, being talked about, but then I just never read it. So, but based on your recommendation, now I really want to. I think it's supposed to. I think Warren Ellis said it's supposed to go like thirty issues total. I think that's like his plan. I might have to jump on board then. Uh, so from Pete, we've got Barrier number three. Yeah, so um, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is Brian K. Vaughn's new book over at Image. It's got um, that kind of like wider, like alternative kind of um, print style. And uh, they did the free comic book day uh, like single of it, um, I guess, what, two weeks ago now? And uh, yeah, I um, forgot that they were doing it on that like weekly schedule. So, like, I missed the first two, so I'm going to be going to all my shops this week and trying to hunt down all three of them because um, I really want to really check it out. Um, the, the little tease of it for new uh, for free comic book day was cool. So, And I love BKV, so I'm definitely going to be out going to the four or five shops within driving distance of my house and hope that somebody's got them left on the shelf. <laughs> awesome. From Kale, we've got New Challengers of the Unknown, number one. Yeah, so this is another one of the um, the uh, post-metal um, Scott Snyder relaunch things. Um, Challengers of the Unknown is is one of the uh, one of the old old like explorer teams of of DC. Um, DC Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were probably the the closest to that um, um, that moniker. Yeah. Uh, I think that I feel like there were one or two other teams very similar to that, but I, I can't think of who they were off the top of my head. But um, I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, I, it's Scott Snyder with um, oh Aaron. I can't. I can't remember. And now we're at the portion of the show where Kale gets somebody's name wrong. Well, you can't get it wrong if you don't know it. So it's <laughs> it's, it's Aaron something but i know it's one of his um one of his students is it aaron lapresti is that that sounds sounds familiar um but it's one of his students uh you know uh that he works with in um um, um you know his graphic novel in classes and drawn by uh uh the cubert with at it and andy cubert is it andy cubert yeah, because Joe was his father. I, yeah, it's and yeah, it's Andy. Um, yeah, so I like I like how you said the Cubert, and my mind immediately went to like the video game character Cubert, and I was like, is he doing pencils now? <laughs> and by the way, it's definitely not Aaron Lepresti because Aaron Lepresti is fifty four, uh, and he's been in the business for quite some time. Look, I don't know. I'm not judging the guys. Age, there's no. This is not a race. We're all in it together. Uh, you also chose Quicksilver, No Surrender, number one. Yeah. So this is um this is Saladin Ahmed's uh kind of follow up to his Black Bolt and Inhumans, and I, I don't know how the stories are connected or if they even are, but um I uh I I I, I like speedsters. I like I like them a lot. And Quicksilver, I think, is a character that I have never... He's probably the one I don't enjoy. Uh, just because I don't, I don't think he's gotten a good run. You know? So I'm, I'm interested to see um, what Saladin Ahmed does based on his, uh, his Black Bolt run. 
Um, that was, you know, it was very good, critically acclaimed, obviously. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where, where that goes. To interrupt here, uh, the Challengers book is by Aaron Gillespie and Scott Snyder, and the art is by Klaus Jansen and Andy Kubert. Thank you. It's weird sure. because I always thought Aaron Gillespie is, I think it's also the name of a, and you might know this, Pete, the drummer of the the band Under Oath. Oh yeah, I don't I don't know that. My mind immediately went to Dizzy Gillespie, who's a very famous jazz musician. So yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhere um, somewhere between those three weird. lies the yeah. truth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's even true. <laughs> and then uh, last but not least from Kale, we've got Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number twenty seven. Yeah, the part three in the uh, Shattered Grid series. Um, there's actually a Blue Ranger like legacy cover. And it may be the cover I get for going the my usual Jordan Gibson pick. Quick question. Uh, okay. There, was there a... Okay. Uh, was <laughs> there was a... <laughs> quick, quick answer. Should I go first? <laughs> so there was a free comic book day issue of Shattered Grid, right? Yes. Uh, so it was basically... It was kind of, um, kind of a, a very brief history of the mighty Morphin power rangers in general um and sort of a very very quick um synopsis of shattered grid up to this point um the my only thing is i i i think there was one new thing in it and that was that draken and spoilers for this um draken kills rita Whoa. Whoa. Um, what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's talking about how great he is and, you know, how sometimes uh, great villains are, are, you know, they do have to stop eventually. And he's like, nah, fuck that. And then he, you know, it's a very surprise attack with the, uh, I can't remember if it was the Dragon Dagger or the, or Saba, but uh, yeah, kills her and takes her uh, staff. Not the, not the. Like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Rita, right? Not. That I think it's. I think it's the one from his cool. timeline. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That makes sense. All right. Awesome. Still, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty wild. And then for me, Infidel number three. I've talked about this book once before. It's extremely good. Uh, it's a horror uh, book about a girl who is Muslim living in a community where she feels very ostracized. Um, and is scared and her fears sort of become manifest because she lives in an apartment building that appears to be haunted. Uh, but she's the only one who to date has seen any of these hauntings. So it's a question of, is she crazy? Is she just, you know, manifesting her fears because of, you know, the fact that she's a Muslim and she feels like everybody's watching her and stuff like that. It reminds me of get out in some ways, um, it's very, very, very good. That sounds really uh, just, cool. Yeah, a- excellent, excellent series. Um, I'm so impressed by it. Was this issue I, three? I recommend it highly. Yeah. Who's it from? Is it a? Is it an image book or? Uh, it's an image. It's an image comic, um, and it is being done by Porn Shack Pitch It Schultz. It's a. It's Porn quite Shack? a name. Porn Shack. Huh. Yeah. Listen. Uh, oh. Don't don't sit here, don't sit here and judge 
Peter Olive Garden and Bessie. <laughs> and, and, and Aaron that was Campbell. Offensive. <laughs> hey, it's your middle name. I don't know what your problem is. And and actually really cool, uh the the uh issue, the first issue is only two dollars on Oh cool. Uh for digital download on it through image. So that's a really low price if you're interested in a horror book. Yeah, uh, yeah I am. Yeah. It's, it's worth, called in- Infidel. Yeah. So uh we're gonna kick off our news with Ooh, the absolute hang on. Shut up, Sean. Hey, whoa. Uh <laughs> it's landed a movie deal after two after two issues. That's pretty good. Infidel, yeah, I did Infidel see that. already has a movie deal. Yeah. It's you worth see, it. You see that with a lot of the image books. Holy I remember shit. Uh, Descender got picked up for a movie deal before the first issue was even out. So we're going to start with the biggest news of the week, which is uh, a bombshell, actually, something that I don't think any of us could have predicted. Uh, I hope you guys are ready. Inhumans has been canceled. Oh, God. Why? What? No. No! No! This shouldn't be possible! Yeah. This, this isn't worth the blown eardrums that I have because of <laughs> both of these reactions. So, so uh, did this not happen already? No, so this is the official cancellation. <laughs> this is the, this is the season where typically shows are being canceled or picked up. That's, you know, everybody's been talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. This is one of those announcements that has kind of gone under the radar just because no one cares, literally. Uh, we're only talking about it because it's been a joke, a running joke around these parts for quite some time. Um, but obviously, Inhumans did not do well critically or commercially. Um it, they, they did something really bold and unique with this one, whereby they released the first two episodes um, in IMAX as a combined sort of almost movie. And it only grossed $3.5 million at the box office. Ooh. So it was a complete and utter failure. And that is a big reason why the show didn't do so well, because they tried to do do this different thing, and it, it just didn't work out. Um, a little well, known and- fact... We have Spider-Man Homecoming to thank for this abomination because those of you who are very uh, – who have been paying attention will know that Spider-Man Homecoming caused Inhumans to be shuffled around. Oh, right. It was supposed to be a movie. And that shuffling, it got shuffled so much that they shuffled it out of being a movie and into being a television show. It was supposed to be oh, like boy. a 2020 release, right? Like it was supposed to come out after Avengers. I think it was 2019, yeah. Okay, yeah. What were you going to say, Kale? It doesn't even matter anymore. I, I was going to make a bad joke, but you actually blew my mind with that. But like, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty fascinating. Uh, so rest in peace, and humans. We barely knew you, and no one liked you. So now on to something much better. Uh, Luke Cage has a oh, new trailer. I, much better? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Luke Cage yeah. is, I mean, all the Netflix shows are much better than Inhumans. Even just I, hater. I, I'll give you that one. Yeah, I would even, <laughs> Iron Fist is better than the Inhumans. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> did, did you even watch the Inhumans, Kale? No. You got me. No. Yeah, um, got me. What'd you guys think of this, uh, of this trailer? I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. This is a good trailer. And I, I think my favorite part about it is in our, Defenders info video. What do we call that thing? Oh, behind the books, the history of the defenders. That's what available it was. on youtube.com slash the comics pals. We we talk For about free. how Luke Cage's original villain was 
the Bushmaster. And lo and fucking behold, the fucking Bushmaster! I just love that they kept that name. I, I yeah. didn't think there was any scenario in which we ever saw the Bushmaster with that name. But What a name. The the Bushmaster is like I've literally never read a comic with anything, but like I love I love that character because of that video. How many times I had to hear Kale just be like the Bushmaster, the Bushmaster, just, <laughs> just like yes, like let's do this shit. I can't wait. Uh, but yeah, to answer your original question, man, I I really do think this was a good trailer. Um, and I, I'm usually the one to like. I don't like trailers, you know, like they don't usually like get me super hype. And a lot of times I feel like they give away too much information, but this was fun. Like it felt like it was a good highlight of like what we could expect without like giving away the entire plot, you know? Um, and I thought the cues were really good, you know, like all of the, the moments that they chose to kind of highlight where Luke is at as a character, you know, that like he has a newfound confidence that we didn't see with him in season one, you know, and um, and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to get more of 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 Mike Coulter as Luke Cage because, like, for all its flaws, I think the first season of Luke Cage has some really really high moments, and um, I, I I think there's a good chance that they'll be able to recapture the magic. This would be um this would be a good year for Netflix shows because, for my money, Luke Cage and Daredevil were the be- the best two the Netflix shows and. Uh, I'm ready. Let's go. Uh, I remember season two, uh, season one of Luke Cage ending on kind of like a open-ended cliffhanger kind of thing. So I'm ready for more. Yeah. So I was pretty critical of the first trailers for Luke Cage uh, season one. I thought the dialogue was pretty bad. Um, and then I ended up feeling that way while watching the show. I thought I thought it came across as cheesy, even in the trailers. Um, this I thought was a lot better. I like this a lot more than the initial trailers for season one. Now, maybe they just chose better stuff to show us overall. Um, but either way, I, I thought this was really, really tight. Um, Bushmaster, I don't know what to make of him, but he's, he's, he looks interesting, you know, a dynamic <laughs> different than any villain we've seen before here. What, what I, what I like about what looks like this character is is that it, they seem to be leaning into like some form of mysticism you know yeah. be it african be it you know some form of voodoo you know um and that that re- really uh appeals to me likewise and it's likewise. like it's fun too because like that to me is like the appeal of comics you know, is like that's what's cool about the Marvel universe is that all of these disparate things exist in the same place, and like Luke Cage is not a character you think that think of when you think of somebody who like deals with magic. So for like having him go up against somebody who is like supernatural or whatever, um, it's cool. Like it's different, you know, and like it'll be fun to see him who is like a very real grounded character. Like that's what Luke Cage's thing is. He's just a guy, you know. Um, is fun. Well, and I think I think what's also interesting, and and this could, this could, it depends on how they, you know, treat this. But with the the magic that's been introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Doctor Strange and, um, I, I guess the Scarlet Witch to an extent, uh, uh there's there's a, a a real chance to to introduce that into. Net, the Netflix series 
and the hand does it a little, but I feel like if they if they do it well, they could really lean into it and make it something unique and sort of uh, uh, make it its own separate thing. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's already been, like you said, there's a precedent between the hand and the stuff with Kun Lun. Like, it's not totally yeah. out of left field for there to be a magical uh, element, but for Luke Cage to be the one to tackle it is a little different. Um, and that's cool. Yeah, I totally agree. And it was really nice to see all the different characters who were a part of uh, season one make their return. I love Misty Knight. I, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of hers. So I'm excited to see her come back. Shades, Mariah. Um, they're really following up on what season one did that was really good, I think. Uh, and hopefully this ends up being. Uh, something better than what we got with season one, and they really upped the ante. I'm looking forward to it. And and the one last point that I wanted to make is that I love the fact that Netflix is only dropping this a month away from the show's release. The show releases on June 22nd. They did that with so, Jessica Jones too, and I thought that was it's fun. You know, it's like oh cool, right around the corner. Yeah, I one thing I really dislike is you get a trailer and then it's like oh well the movie's not out for a year, you know, or whatever. Uh, you know, this is this is a. a a really fast turnaround, something I can get excited about, stay excited about, and then I'm watching the show. I feel like it's coming out at a good time, too. Like, I like that it's dropping right around the start of the summer. You know, like, that'll be, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited for this one, uh, and I, I really hope it comes together. Absolutely. Totally uh, aligned with that. Now, uh, we talked about Avengers Infinity War, and we referenced Thanos. But as it turns out, at least according to the fans, He's not the real villain. The real villain is Star-Lord. Now, if you haven't seen Infinity War, you might want to, you know, tune out of this particular segment because we are going to have to go into a little bit of spoiler territory here. Uh, But people blame Star-Lord for uh, the fact that the Avengers are not able to get the Infinity Gauntlet away from Thanos because after uh, the death of Gamora, when when Star-Lord learns of it, he gets really angry and he breaks the mind control or the stasis that Thanos is in caused by Mantis uh, by just hitting Thanos repeatedly, causing him to break out and then, you know, becoming unstoppable. Uh, So fans are really, really mad with Star-Lord over that, and uh, Chris Pratt had a really funny reaction to this. Um, he he posted a series of images uh, on social media. I'm not even sure what social media this was. Um, and he posted, uh, I know you're mad. It's an Instagram story, in fact. Uh, I know you're mad at Star-Lord because of what happened in the end. Well, I guess I'll just go and... And then it's an image of a Star-Lord toy. Uh, there's no other way to describe this. <laughs> with another Star-Lord toy bent over. And then uh, <laughs> the, the, next, the next caption is, F myself. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's my favorite, dude. Like, <laughs> if, you're, uh, if you're not like a person who follows celebrities on Instagram, like I'm not, he's still worth the follow. He's very funny on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I bring this up because it's funny, but also because can we just can we just stop with the whole oh it's not Thanos's fault it's uh, Star Lord's fault or it's yeah. this yeah, one yeah. or that one. I, so I was gonna make a joke about like 
you you making a, a a news item out of this because this is this is something I had a problem with uh, in our review of the of the film and um, yeah like that's fucking dumb like <laughs> the, like the villain is the guy who's trying to commit genocide like that's not that's not up for debate here it's <laughs> not it's not genocide i call it mercy it's completely random rich and poor alike i like that uh, it's pretty good that's not bad it's all right yeah it's, it's, I, 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 I understand that you know people are looking at it from the perspective of oh well you know star lord should have had his eye on the prize and this and that and we can have that debate right but at the end of the day, they're in this position because of one guy, you know, and that that guy is Thanos. Yeah, um, and, and also like to to Kale's point, right? Like doing something dumb or like emotional that allows the villain to succeed doesn't make you a villain, you know. Like you can argue that it makes him an idiot or whatever you want to say, but like to say that that like makes him evil because he had an emotional reaction to the death of his lover is just like. Ridiculous. L- listen, dude, don't call us plucky. We don't even know what that word means. <laughs> <laughs> and like it it's it's even true to the character. Like yeah. as much as much as like nobody likes it, like it that's like you gotta admit, that's a fucking Peter Quill move. Remember yeah. in Guardians 2 where uh where um Ego is 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 kind of going on a tangent and he's like I regret having to put that tumor in your mother's head and that's what basically turns Peter Quill and he's like he immediately just starts shooting his dad yeah right and like that's that's him like he's impulsive and emotional and like Sean made the point um in uh in our review in episode 79 which you should go check out and comment on so you can win the Deadpool box um he, he pointed out that like Quill's whole like attitude about relationships is defined by the loss of his mother you know so like obviously losing you know any of the guardians would be something that would be hard for him but like gamora specifically is like you know that's just uh that's edible baby yeah uh i think i thought they did a great job presenting that um and it's funny that people are having this reaction i'm sure some of it is tongue-in-cheek but at any rate yeah you know i i let's let's cut that narrative out of the equation let's 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 go back to the the memes that we had before about thanos and you know uh stone cold and random people disappearing i like those those are fun uh so at any rate moving on uh marvel is expanding their horizons uh, in fact, they're working now in China and have created Chinese superheroes. Uh, they've teamed up with NetEase, uh, which is one of China's biggest online comic platforms, uh, to create two new superheroes. So one is Lin Lai, Lin Lai, Lin Lei, something like that. Um, uh, and she's the protagonist of one of these new comics. Um, which is called, well, translates to Warrior of the Three Sovereigns. Uh, and then the other comic, which translates to Cyclone, features Arrow, uh, which is, who is also known as Lei Ling, uh, who is an architect by day who happens to control air currents. So, uh, That's cool. this is, yeah, this <laughs> is really, really cool. Um, 
I like this because they're 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 bra- this is Chinese this is China only right now. This this doesn't exist in America. The only way to read it is to read it in Chinese. Um right now. And I I think it's really interesting because CB Sobolski is the new editor in chief and you know I mean look we talked about Akira Yoshida, we talked about all that stuff. He's very invested in that world. And one of the reasons why they made him the editor in chief was because he had inroads and because he was great at making connections um, with with places that are not America. Right, and I remember uh, we even talked about those tweets from uh, oh, how do you pronounce her name? Sana Aminat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember she had said like he's the most globally minded person in comics because he's lived in Asia, like, and, you know, he's, he's lived all around the world, you know, and, um, was a teacher and all that stuff. So like, he has an insight into those cultures that like other people who haven't been there and live there just can't possibly have. So the idea of him, like identifying new markets, and I think specifically China is uh, really smart, uh, especially when, um, you think about what that's meant for the video game industry over the last couple years as, um, cultural embargo or not embargoes what's the word um the like roadblocks for allowing cultural imports in china have really been lessened over the last five to ten years and um it's it's led to a lot of increased interest in western products which has created these huge new markets like we've seen it in in hollywood right like so i i think seeing um comics try to get in on that market uh is brilliant honestly because there are millions and millions of chinese people who are hungry for media right now so if you can get in there and introduce a like a new generation of chinese um citizens to comics as a thing that they want to engage in or superheroes specifically because i don't really know the the tradition of comics in in china um but given the way that the laws were, I imagine probably not super healthy. Um, so yeah, I mean, like this seems like a really, really awesome opportunity for Marvel. And I think the fact that they're trying to make things for Chinese audiences rather than uh, import things and translate them or whatever, I think is really smart. Yeah. Um, so the reception to this in China has actually been pretty solid. Um, the Warriors of the Three Sovereigns book uh, has been read two million times plus since its release, which is really good. Whoa! And then, and then Cyclone is uh, just under seven hundred and fifty thousand views on NetEase. Um, and uh, one of the commenters on NetEase said, "We finally have Chinese superheroes. We've made it. Maybe one day they'll fight alongside the Avengers." So it's so cool to read that because you know, for us, it's like, okay, wow, there's new superheroes, right? For them, it's like, wow, you know, we, we, there, there's people that look like us that exist in the Marvel universe now. And like, maybe one day they'll team up with Captain America. Like, it's so amazing for them. So it's, it's cool to see something small like this have such a big impact elsewhere. And who knows what kind of dividends this will pay going forward. It's, it's strange to me because it's like, hey, uh, DC, what are you doing? Promote new Superman over there. Why don't you? <laughs> And I was thinking, that's literally a narrative in New Superman of, like, the Chinese people are so, like, they're into Western, like, Western-style superhero teams. So that's why the government is, like, making the Chinese Justice League and – or Justice League of China, rather. And uh, it's just funny because it's, like – I didn't even, like, think – 
about the movie element until you just brought that up, Sean. I'm like, oh, right. Like, Marvel's fucking huge in China. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, like... A, a lot of film studios deliberately will make a movie with the Chinese audience in mind. Like, Pacific Rim 2 was made thinking, like, this will do this will do buco dollars in the People's Republic of China. Or, um, what was that Matt Damon flick? Like, the Great Wall thing with the... Oh, with, God. That, right. But, like, that's the thing, right? Is, like, I remember that whole narrative of, like, everyone in America was, like, this is so racist and, like, whatever. And why is there a white leading man? And it's, like, they were, like, that's because of China. Like, they want to see American movie stars in their movies. And that was a movie that was 100% made for a Chinese audience. And they're, like, whatever it makes in the States, it'll make in the States. But we'll make our money in China. I feel like the same thing. uh, They said the same thing about uh, that one that Scarlett Johansson was in. Ghost in the Shell. That's the one. Yeah, there was no drama over that in Asian countries. It was here where, like, we we're upset about it, you know. Yeah, uh, and uh, Marvel has a history of doing this with uh, with their films because Avengers: Age of Ultron uh, specifically included uh, a very I can't remember her name right now, but a very very popular Chinese actress. Yes, uh, in I the remember. film, and they actually go over there um, uh, because they created some convoluted reason, but. Whatever you know that that was a that was a deliberate targeting of that audience. Um, so yeah, I think this is really cool, and I think that um, I, I'm glad that Marvel is 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 thinking more outside the box about ways to generate audience. We talk about it all the time, you know. And there's there's lots of places outside of America where these characters are and can be popular. So why not do something like this? Yeah, comic books are a global business and like the more – like especially when you think about how thin the margins are, like the more activated readers you can get, especially in a market like China where there are so many people, like yeah, like you should absolutely be making an effort to connect with those readers. Yeah, and keep in mind, I, I said 2 million people have read The Warriors, the Warrior of the Three Sovereigns. Could you imagine if 2 million people read what any it? book? Yeah, right. Well, like two million people like were out to buy any comic at a store. Like, yeah, no, like, and I can't imagine that. So, <laughs> like, to, like they don't even probably sell two million comics in one week of like all the books that are out in one week here in America. Probably this total sales don't don't add up to two million. Unless two unless million it's sales. a really hot week for some reason. Like unless there is a big event that moves the needle. Like yeah, I would say that's that's almost that's almost definitely true. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's insane, and that's a paid service. That's not free. They they paid for that. So oh, do you do you know like what the did they say like what it was like what it cost in yen? Uh, or not no, yen? I what do they use? I, I don't I know. See any. Uh, Okay, it's irrelevant. But it it speaks volumes about how, like, fertile that marketplace is. Like, how many people there are hungry for this kind of content. And, like, it resonates with them. You know, like, they're into superheroes. So, like, yeah, dude, like, you should absolutely be trying to connect with those people. And, like, finding, like, like, I'd be interested to learn more about, like, the talent and stuff behind there. Like, who are these that, creators? That was going to be, that was going to be my question. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think Marvel trying to expand their business uh, and be a global market where, like, there are Chinese, like, only superheroes. And if they really resonate, we get the translation. That's exciting, man. You know, like that's different voices telling these kinds of stories. And like 
we talk about like, you know, um, like having different voices on this show all the time, but we're just talking about Americans, you know, like we're excited to see an Asian American or a Chinese American be writing, you know, a Superman book, right? With, with Jin Yun Lang. Um, but the idea of actually getting Chinese writers to write what are like American style books or whatever, that's awesome. Like that to me is like the beauty of, uh, when you get that cross-pollinization of culture, right? Like, yeah. So, like, I, I hope these books continue to succeed. And I hope we get a translation of them. I'd like to check them out. Absolutely. So, uh, Matt Kint and Tyler Jenkins are collaborating yet again on a new series. So, um, these these two are Eisner-nominated. Uh, they created Grass Kings, which is a series that uh, Marco... Uh, who is now not with us. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, F's in the chat. Uh, he <laughs> He's you know, a big fan of this collaboration and of Grass Kings. They're teaming up again for a new series called Black Badge. And uh, this is a really interesting book because Black Badge is a book about Boy Scouts, or I should say Scouts. I, I don't know what the appropriate terminology is there. Um, but the boys, boys and Girl Scouts, I guess, uh, who really go on missions to save the world. You know, yeah. all the things that they are trained for in the Scouts, they actually have to go out and do those things. That sounds great. I love that huh. idea. That's that's a really cool pitch. Yeah. Um, do they have like? So, are they like agents, or do they have like powers or something? Or so. So I'll I'll read you the 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 pitch. Uh, meet meet the black badges, a top secret elite branch of Boy Scouts tasked by the government to take on covert missions that no adult ever could. I fucking love among, this. <laughs> among their organization, the black badges are the elite, the best of the best. The missions they take are dangerous, and they only they will only get worse as their leader's attention is split between their mission and tracking down a lost team member, a member who disappeared. Years Years ago, presumed dead. Black Badge is a haunting look at foreign policy, culture wars, and isolationism through the lens of kids who know they must fix the world that adults have broken. This so, sounds like awesome. Fuck. This sounds like the kids next door. I was gonna say I have two thoughts. One that sounds like codename Kids Next Door, and two, the idea that there's a storyline about one of these kids is like, oh, my former teammate who went missing years ago. It's like. How old were you? Like, <laughs> how old are these kids? Are they six? It's like he went missing when we were four years old on our first mission. Like, I, I uh, encourage you guys to check out the art. By the way, it's really really nice. Sean, you said it was in the synopsis. It says they're Boy Scouts. It it does say that, but you can clearly see that there are girls in the group. Uh, well, in the, oh, interesting. In, the, the in, in real injuries. in real life, the Boy Scouts are getting rid of the name Boy Scouts, uh, yeah. and being more gender inclusive. Yep. Well, I mean, it doesn't make sense to call yourselves the Boy Scouts when you just opened it up to everybody, you know? No. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to look up the art right now. Hold on. Uh, uh, but this sounds fucking awesome. Like I, I love this. I love this pitch. Yeah, it's it's very, very, very cool. I think. What are your thoughts, Kale? Yeah, no, this sounds yeah dope as hell. Uh, I, 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 I was curious to, you know, in, in the in the pitch, it does it does mention that they are Boy Scouts, but you know, you say, like you say, there are, there are clearly girls there. So I, I do wonder if if at some point they will address that divide or 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 that 
that issue that that's interesting to me. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, why they went with that verbiage specifically, but uh, and then this is coming out from Boom Studios, so another another big winner for Boom. I think. Dude, I, I'm I'm very excited about Boom. Like lately, uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that this could be good. Wow, what a big statement on your part! Something how could, could you, be good. How could how could you say something so brave? For you YouTube viewers, I'm showing the art right now. Um, or for the audio listeners, I guess I'm explaining that. Uh, it looks really <laughs> cool. It's got like a watercolory kind of style, you know, like yep. very different, very different. Huh. I like it. Like it's very, it's got mute, very muted tones too, you know. You want hold my feet to the fire on this one. It really could be good. I'm Associated Press, this. you can quote me on that. <laughs> so, so brave. I know, right? Not all heroes wear capes. I would love, I would love to see uh, that used as a pull quote, like in the promotion for the book. It's just <laughs> Phil Casey, comic spells could be good, could be good. <laughs> Someone's gonna use that one day. I guarantee you. Guarantee you. Uh, so moving over to the DC side of things, uh, it's been a weird week. It's been a weird week for DC, and uh, we're gonna talk about DC's weird week. We're going to open with something that might disappoint you guys. Uh, Young Animal is taking a hiatus. And I put that in quotations. Uh, Go ahead. Well, it was was originally like a a, a limited thing, right? Like it was was originally set out like it it wasn't a thing that was going to last forever, right? Well, I remember that that was true, and then they took a break, and then they relaunched several titles, um, and now it's going away for a, a hiatus. I don't know if this is another hiatus that was planned. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not clear on all that. I just remember specifically that they had they had done something like that before, where they brought the books back. So I don't know where this leaves them, but uh, we do have. A statement by Gerard Way, who is the curator of that imprint, uh, who said, I want to give everyone an update on Young Animal. In August, Shade, Cave Carson, and Mother Panic will end at issue six as we originally planned alongside Eternity Girl. It's been an incredible run for each of them, and I'm so thankful to all the writers and artists who began this journey with me and who created such incredible stories. Now, uh, conveniently, uh, the, the Sandman universe curated by Neil Gaiman, kicks off in August. So this ends and that begins. So I'm wondering if that if that's the reason why this is going away. And if there's if a correlation. Right. I was also thinking um, there's also the possibility that uh, like Gerard Way had some sort of deal with DC in that way where like let's – do you know? Because like Kale said, I, I I believe he's correct that it was supposed to just be these limited series at first, and then they came back for that second volume. And like maybe he wants to go and do the follow up to Umbrella Academy that he's been promising since he put it out. You know, um, like maybe that's they're... what I want him to do. Well, and and that's the thing. Um, I I wonder if this isn't a calculated move on some level in that where they were like, all right, we'll do the first volumes and see how they go. They went well. He pushed back his timeline for the other stuff he was working on. Decided to do another set 
And then now they've got this thing with Sandman. They have an opportunity for them to take a break and for him to go do something else. And then he can come back and and decide what's next for Young Animal. Because I think if they were really, like, putting it away, they would tell us, you know? Um, yeah. Hiatus is usually, like, you know, and actually a hiatus. Like, whether that's years from now or, you know, six months from now, we'll have to see. But, you know, I, I think there's a good chance you'll see Gerard Way and Young Animal back at DC at some point. He does also have the Umbrella Academy TV show, you know, right. in production. So right, so yeah, maybe he just needs to take a step back because, like, he's doing a lot there. You know, like they're putting out what five books, and he writes two of them, or did at one point. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of a lot of work on on the on your plate if you're running an imprint. So I can totally understand him wanting to, you know, work on some of the other shit he has going on and like take a bit of a breather from that very very hectic lifestyle um Mm -hmm. because like he said in interviews like he's very addicted to that grind and i'm sure like yeah he's probably worn out a little bit you know and like maybe needs time to recharge so that leads us into the main topic today uh as i said dc's been having a weird week and there's been several announcements that have people questioning the direction that they're going in uh, including a rumor that comes from Bleeding Cool, who, I mean, lots of people have different opinions about Bleeding Cool and, you know. Known rumor mongers. Yeah, to be fair, I would say that they've broken a lot of stuff of late that, you know, we've even uh, ended up using their sources to report and, th- and that's ended up being accurate. Um, just putting that out there as a disclaimer, though, because they say that DC Comics next event is going to be another crisis this time it'll be called crisis and that a big thing that they'll do within this event is remove the marriages of superman and batman batman's not even married yet um so if this is correct then they've already got plans of getting rid of that they say reboot um we don't know whether that that language is accurate we don't know if any of that's accurate but that's just one of the things that has fans very concerned um, and a lot of different um, website or you know forums and things like that have people talking about this um, because they don't want it. Uh, DC Comics has been on a roll lately. We've talked about that several times. And so that's one piece of the puzzle that has people concerned. The other piece of the puzzle is an official announcement from DC themselves that DC is raising the prices of a majority of their books to $3.99. Now, that comes as a slap in the face to a lot of fans who have been happy that DC has kept has kept their prices down to $2.99. Uh, in fact, those of you who recall, uh, DC actually, they bragged about it, right? In 2011, uh, they said they, they created a whole banner thing about drawing the line at 299. They fucking yeah. bragged about it. And of course, <laughs> we're talking about that was 2011, but they remained at that price point throughout Rebirth. Uh, the entire, you know, early, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Of, of Rebirth, um, they remained at 299. And then they said, okay, well, we're going to raise the price of certain books, the non bi monthly books, uh, or the non bi weekly books, I should say. To three ninety nine, and people thought that made sense. If it's going to come out monthly, three ninety nine is appropriate. But now you have books that come out uh, twice a month that are going to be three ninety nine, 
And that's a lot of money to plunk down for these for these titles. And they must be paying Bendis a lot of money to <laughs> fuck up Superman. Now, <laughs> Marvel, obviously, most of their books cost $3.99, but they soften the blow by keeping digital digital copies or digital codes rather within the books. They removed it, got a lot of flack, and brought it back. DC is removing it outright. Uh, that's an announcement that they have made in conjunction with the price point hike, which feels really bad, you know, to know that you're losing one and the other. Um, Lose, sorry, let me, I just want to clarify there. Taking away a digital code as well as yes. hiking the price. Wow! Yes. So they've said that the digital code will remain on event issues and major, uh, you know, I would imagine like Man of Steel number one stuff like that. That's what they have said, um, but we don't know exactly what that's going to mean. But as a standard, it's going away. You know. Um, so this has me thinking, what's going on with DC? Uh, and, and I just want to add a little more context before you guys uh, jump in here. And that context is that Jeff Johns is focusing more on films. Jeff Johns was the guy who spearheaded the Rebirth Initiative. He was very involved in the New 52. But he's stepping more and more away. The only thing he's got is Doomsday Clock right now that i'm aware of um and the earth, and one, the earth one yep might yep might he be might he be pushed away from the dc cinematic universe considering the mess that's going on with warner brothers right now at the producer the executive producer level well we, we've reported on how they kind of diminished his role but he's still he's right. still there he's still you know trucking along um dc wanted Dark Knight's Metal to be called Dark Crisis. So they're very much wanting to get another crisis going. Um, God. Use a different <sighs> word. There are no. other titles. Crisis is a, like, I don't know, it's part of like the DC uh, brand, you know? You know what? You know what? They could make something else. There are other words. Well, I don't, I don't think... How about, how about is- DC, DC Universe? Problem. <laughs> I like it. Li- like literally anything else. <laughs> it's been thirty fucking so, years. It's been it's been ten years. So the 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 bleeding cool article brings up the fact that in 2011 the new 52 was basically spearheaded by Dan Didio, and that his big idea. <laughs> we saw how that went. right. His big idea was to uh, reboot the continuity and. Notice that Jeff Johns was the only person who completely went his book, which was Green Lantern, is the only book that was 100% unaffected by the New 52 reboot. Batman was somewhat affected, um, but it kind of lived in between the worlds. But Green Lantern was completely unaffected. Oh, it, it like Batman, it streamlined the timeline, but not well. Because uh, previously, the events of Green Lantern books, at least the way John Jeff Johns had interpreted it, had condensed, uh, had been over like a decade or so, 
Whereas when the New 52 happened, like Batman, events were happening within four or five years. Well, Batman was 10 years because Damian Wayne was 10 years old. Uh, so that was comparable for Green Lantern. Um, but but so that's so that's where the thinking is that, that Jeff Johns not a fan of the reboot thing. Uh, Rebirth was notoriously not a reboot. It was a, a freshening up, if you will. Yeah, so it was it was like zero hour. Right, exactly. So uh, what do you guys make of all this? What do you think is going on at DC? Do you think that there is any truth to these rumors? And I should add, for the sake of good reporting, that um, Jim Lee has come out and said that this is not true, that there is not a reboot on the way. So, I mean, that's what I they think, said about Rebirth, too. Right. This <laughs> as is, you just said. This is shit uh, that, like, it's damage control, possibly, from from uh, the publishers at DC. But um, the, the, the thing of it is, if Superman's marriage is annulled, this is, to me, probably Bendis, because he wants his own fresh take on Superman. Uh and he, especially in the last five years, has not been very good. It's not uh, Marvel had, was not very good and effective at holding his feet to the fire when it came to strict continuity because Bendis did what Bendis wanted. Uh, so if if there were a situation where DC were to say, you know what, Superman, fresh start, do what you got to do, uh, I think that's a, I think that's all Bendis. However, with regard to Batman and and annulling his marriage. I don't understand that for the life of me because Tom King is still the writer on that book. I don't see him going away anytime soon. And unless it's Tom King saying that he wants to get rid of something that has been part of his book since like issue six of his run. Uh, I I mean, I, I don't understand the Batman aspect of it for the life of me. Now, finally, with regard to another crisis, I, I get the impulse to do that. It is big part of their brand i personally am a big fan of all three crisis crises uh crisis on infinite <laughs> earths infinite crisis and final crisis um however those were all george perez did crisis on infinite earths jeff johns did infinite crisis and morrison grant morrison did final crisis you'd have to get a, get a writer of that caliber and as far as i'm concerned i don't think anyone can really spearhead a crisis right now I mean, maybe Tom King in five years, but, like, I don't think we're there. We're not there, is the thing. Like, we're not even finished with the the plot that has been laid out for Rebirth. Yeah, that's Like, if they they did a crisis right now, like, they would be abandoning two years' worth of storytelling. And that's shit we've been criticizing Marvel for, is, like, doing these soft resets almost every other year. Right. Uh, another rumor from Bleeding Cool that we didn't even ever talk about was the alleged fresh start that they're going to be doing, um, which sees Grant Morrison on uh, Green Lantern as a great example. So it so that yeah, um, and, and that's wild. Yeah, they've talked a lot about that. Um, uh, so so we don't know whether or not that's that's coming, um, but a lot of rumors and. One of the things that that leads me to believe there may be some truth to all this is that there's a lot of shakeup going on right now over at DC. And so with that, is it not the right time to raise the prices? Um, We've got Bendis now. People are excited about that, although I've read that the the, uh, sales on his book, the pre-order sales, are not as great as they expected. There's a lot. Not surprised. Yeah, that's... 
I've been I've been listening to what you guys have been saying because especially when it comes to um the like you know New Fifty Two era of DC, I'm just really not very familiar with it. But that that is exactly what I was thinking, Sean. But that feels like such a bad move. It feels like an unforced error. Like I I totally understand the idea of like. We have an opportunity here because there is this major shakeup in talent. We are uh, ending a bunch of series that, even though they're selling well and are, are well received, we're moving in a new direction. Like, there's new blood at the company. We have, like, you know, Young Animals about to go away. Sandman's about to come back. Like, I guess I can understand why, like, a boardroom of, of people are saying, like, this is an opportunity for us to do, like, you know, maybe we put out a new logo, we raise the prices a little bit, we do this, we do that, we make a thing of it. And yeah, some people will get mad, but the numbers that will lose because people are pissed will be made up for the by the fact that every book costs a dollar more. Now, you know, it's... and I don't think that's a good idea, but I guess I can understand that internal logic. But it just seems like such a strange choice right it's, now. It, it, so. Going into 2009-2010 DC, um, there was a lot of – their sales were low and a lot of people did not like the creative output of most of the books coming out at that time. Green Lantern with Jeff Johns was on its uh, decline at that point. Um, Morrison was still doing great stuff with Batman obviously, but Superman books were considered really poor at that time. Um, so when the New 52 did happen, while it did ruffle a lot of feathers, a lot of the diehard DC readers thought like – Maybe now is a good time for this because there was a feeling that DC was having uh, not its best creative output. Um, now, fast forward about six years, DC initiates an initiative called DCU where they tried to do a lot of different things. And that went over really, really poorly, uh, especially in sales, which led to DC Rebirth uh, or as Dan DiDio described it as going back to meat and potato comics. And we've been seeing the, the waves of their success financially from those books ever since. I think it's a really strange move to, when you ride a wave like that as a surfer, to be like, you know what, I'm going to go dunk myself in the water and try to catch a new wave, even though I'm at the top of this one, uh, and try to start all over in the midst of so much good PR and sales. And especially while your main competition is struggling. You know, like, maybe that's part of their thought process, too, is like, well, Marvel's so fucked, like, maybe this is our opportunity to do this and it'll be okay. But I just, I don't, like, I can't imagine why you wouldn't just stay the course right now. You know, like... Sean did say, he was talking about Jeff Johns taking a backseat, which is true. And from what I've seen, this is all speculative, it seems like Scott Snyder is taking a larger role in DC Comics than ever before. I mean, he's now teaching school, uh, classes, which he's been doing for like two years, but now he's writing Justice League, the whole Dark Dark Knight, Dark Metal line, whatever. Uh, that's all him. It seems like Snyder is kind of stepping into more of a Jeff Johns role circa 10 years ago. Thank you for bringing that up because that's actually critical to this conversation. Uh, so... The Bleeding Cool article suggests that the thing that's kind of going to lead to this crisis is the fact that the source wall was breached at the end of Dark Knight's Metal. And in No Justice, which is happening right now, uh, that's what the different teams of the Justice League are dealing with, right? So, um, uh, 
Snyder did an interview with comicbook.com where he talks about how the next two years of his stories are going to lead into something big and that it's all playing off of what he's been doing. So that something big could be this crisis event, which would be potentially two years out, by which time Tom King might not be on Batman, which would be the prime time to remove the marriage of Batman and Catwoman. Because Dan Didio is very, very bullish about marriages. He blocked the marriage between Batwoman and Renee Montoya. Um, he, he, uh, I, I, I know. I think it was Superman that he, he also like broke up Superman and Lois Lane. Um, well, I mean, New Fifty Two. Right, exactly. Thank you. So he's bullish about that. So if he's the man in charge right now, and Jeff Johns is taking a back seat, this sounds like the kind of thing he'd want to do. Wow. Um, and they, you know, rumor rumor mill is that they hate each other. They have a lot of problems in, you know, we've talked about in that. the uh, boardrooms. Yeah. In, in addition to that, Green Arrow and Black Canary, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I I said they don't have a guy to lead on a crisis, but I think the reality is DC Comics thinks Scott Snyder is that guy who can write another a crisis. Obviously, to them, they see him as like the best writer in the industry. Or at least he's got the most power, as far as writers go. I mean, they'd have to think that, right? Like, if they put him, they're putting him in the position that they are right now. Yeah. I. So okay, I want to take it back to the pricing element really quick. Now, when it comes to the to the three ninety nine thing, to me, as bad as it seems, this is a move that anybody should have seen coming. Why? Because Marvel's books are three ninety nine. And the, the question in my mind was always, how long can they keep doing this? Because, it, it, yeah, they ship the books bi-monthly. Uh, so that's a, that's a boost, right? But not every book that they do is bi-monthly. And the, what are the costs associated with shipping a book two times a month? It's not like one of the books is free for them to make. You know, it's the same, it's the same amount. So... They have to make them $3.99 to stay competitive price-wise. Marvel sells less books, but Marvel makes more money because Marvel's books are $3.99. Some are $4.99, and DCs are not. So this is a move that makes sense to me from from that standpoint. The problem, like Pete said, is the perception. Yeah, right. Like it's it's I don't even think it's in any way a bad move to match your competitor's price. Like once they do this and the backlash um, wanes, like it, it, it won't matter eventually. If DC's books are better, people will buy them more. Like, and that's how it shakes out. Uh, for the same reason that like it didn't tank Marvel when they raised their prices a dollar. Everybody was mad at the time and DC had a really great wave of PR because they could say, well, we're not going to do that. We're not fucking you. Um, and it just looks bad now. And I think it's just... I used the term before unforced error and like that's my concern is like and I guess it you got to do it while you're on top not while you're at the bottom right but it, it seems like a, such a strange thing when DC is at this point where most of the, I think most people would agree that a lot of their best selling titles are uh, are really good so it's like they're the books that sell well are also critically acclaimed they've also got um, these two other really successful, well-developed lines of books in Young Animal and the stuff they're doing with Hanna-Barbera. Um, like, th- they, they're really healthy right now across the board. And I think, like, aside from the movies, 
um, the narrative is very much in their favor if you're paying attention to actual comics. So to to do this, and not only to do it, but to also like throw salt in the wound by taking away the digital copy, which is something that probably doesn't matter to that many people, but for the vocal view that it does, it's another thing that just adds on to the PR fire of just like, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe they're being so greedy. I can't believe they're fucking us like this. Like, and that's what's going to happen. Um, Pete's right in the sense that uh, from a PR standpoint, this is really dicey. Um, and PR is everything. Look at Marvel's PR right now. Sean has been very, he's been a staunch defender of the content of books that Marvel's been publishing in lieu of the fact that it's gotten a lot of negative press. Uh, I've been a staunch defender of most of what the new 52 put out circa 2011, 2012, even though from a PR standpoint, that was, that was killed by the press. Um, uh, if DC, you know, raises their prices, uh, in conjuncture with, uh, a complete, you know, a reboot, I think that could really hurt them in a time when they're doing so well. Well, and this coupled with, you know, the announcement of Bendis on Superman when everything that had come before was doing really well. You know, it's arguably one of the best eras of Superman that there's been. Tomasi Superman sold pretty well. Like, it doesn't... And even Super Sons was, like, super popular. Like... Like I I I understand Bendis moving, and even even before all of this, I I I understood taking a gamble on that. But like this, like this, coupled with that, and all of this together, just like it's just this great big ball of just like what is happening. <laughs> it's it's pretty unfortunate. I think when you look at. Um... When you look at the Batman thing, for instance, as a as a comic book reader for so many years, there was no way in my mind that that was going to last, right? Sure. But so quickly. That's the quickly. issue. Thank you. That's the issue is the quickness with which they're looking to get rid of it. They're jumping ship on it. Rumors of them jumping ship on it are out and the book – he hasn't even gotten married, married yet. <laughs> so even yeah, yeah, like that would be – that would only be what, 10, 20 issues? Like – yeah, something like that. You know, if if the if the crisis happens in 2020 or whatever. Do you guys think that this whole whirlwind of information, if it all proves true, we know some of it's true, but the the crisis rumors, you know, that's not necessarily something we can verify. Do you think that this turns the tide and starts to kind of make DC look bad? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and I, I feel like I say this on, on the show all the time, uh, about how I bring up the, the conversations uh, about how it's cyclical. And when we all got into the industry, Marvel was on top. DC was, the narrative was that DC was bad. The new 52 was a failure, whatever. The, um, the, the thing, the thing at that point, Pete, is Marvel had been on top of DC for a long time. Like for sure. over a decade, DC has only been on, on top of Marvel for a couple of years. If if it were to shift now, that is a fast turnover. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't think that that is uh, necessarily the case. But I think, like I said, I I think that a lot of these things feel like it's it's a lot at once. It's and it's a lot of moves that are bad optically. Whether they're bad for business is up for debate right but uh to kale's point it's it's it 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 creates a narrative 
right? And the narrative is DC's greedy. DC is giving power to the wrong people in like Bendis or whatever. Um, or Snyder. Short-sighted. You know, uh, they're willing to kill all of these great, critically acclaimed, well-selling books so that we can have the gimmick of bringing Bendis over and doing this bullshit thing. Like, it, it, and I'm not saying I feel that way. I'm saying the narrative perception. writes itself. Yeah. That's the perception. Yeah. And then on top of that, they're fucking taking away these digital codes they used to give us. Marvel still does that. You know, now they're charging me more money for these books that suck now and they're not even as good and they... You know, and, and that's it's it writes itself, man. And then young young animal, which is a thing that's been popular, that's gone. We don't know if Sandman's gonna be good. What if Sandman comes back and it sucks? And and then it's like, fuck DC, man. Like you know, and then and then I'm not saying that that means that it turns the tide, but it it, it presents Marvel with an opportunity to come back. And DC should not be in the business of seeding that ground because they are so healthy right now. They are the ones who are dominating the conversation and Marvel's eating their fucking lunch when it comes to adaptions. So like DC can hang their hat on the fact that they do the real actual good comics though, right? And if that goes away, where the fuck does that leave them right now? So so I think Pete here is presenting the worst case scenario for DC. Uh, yeah. And to, to Sean's question... I don't think this necessarily spells doomsday uh, for DC Comics. <laughs> wait, wait. Would you say that, that it maybe presents them uh, like a crisis situation, though? Because you have a different word? A conundrum. Uh, you know, you don't, have to be, you don't have to be a real brainiac to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the bane of my existence. No. <laughs> This is just, it's such a bizarro scenario. You know? <laughs> I was just about to say that, you asshole. If you guys keep this shit up, you're going to bring out the dark side of me. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Sean gets in on it. <laughs> Sean is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote of the episode. Oh, man. <laughs> you guys are such jokers. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Lex, Lex Luthor. Yeah. <laughs> that one killed Pete. Um, I think that's the worst case scenario that Pete painted. I don't think it necessarily goes that way. I, 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 we don't know how actually valid this information is. And with regard to Bendis taking over Superman, I think Bendis has such a queer following of, of readers. He is a really established name that has... Uh, uh, he he has a following, and uh, even though there's a lot of people who are vocal detractors of Bendis, like myself, uh, I think there's still a lot of potential for Superman and Action Comics to sell really well, regardless of the quality of content, just because it's BMB. Well, and even even past that, Bendis has Bendis love him or hate him, he does have a way of being able to bring people on and making comics accessible yeah, yeah. for sure yeah and, and, and there's a lot of people who have really struggled with jumping on the superman for for since uh, ever since john burr in the 80s that's the last time people really found that character accessible um that said even though they're raising the price uh i was reading through um bleeding cool's twitter feed on it and a lot of people were like oh that's fine marvel already does like there was there weren't a lot of people angry about it even though umberto gonzalez was kind of painting it in a negative light um 
Well, let me so, let me let me stop you there real quick because uh, comicbook.com published an article about this and they included some tweets from people that were extremely negative on the issue. And I'll just read a couple of them. Uh, this is from uh, Jeff DeWitt on Twitter. Thanks a lot for the stupid price increase at DC Comics. Three ninety nine was always my line in the sand. I dropped Marvel titles when they went to that price point. Looks like I won't be collecting comics for much longer. Here's another comment. Uh, hey, at DC Comics, if you're looking to raise the price of all your books to three ninety nine, give us digital codes like Marvel, or at the very least, drop the biweekly books back to monthly. You took a lot of steps forward with the re- rebirth stuff, and now you're taking ten steps back. All the comments that they included look like that. Obviously, that's painting a negative picture. There are probably comments like what you said that people don't care. But I, I just wanted to point that out because there are definitely people who care about this. Well, and I, I think I think it's important to point out, too, that that last comment is – I think that's completely reasonable. Yeah. Like it's not somebody flaming. It's like that is a – I think the, those are legitimate criticisms of what they're doing. Um, and I think – in in the you know we we've talked regularly in the last couple of weeks about how there is not a huge core base of comic book readers in general so i think like anything that alienates a significant number of people is is bad it's bad for business my my only point to that was marvel did not alienate a substantial amount of readers through just the price change. And I don't know if there's going to be a correlation with that for, for DC. People are going to be upset, but I don't know how actually effective that will be in people dropping the books that they're publishing. And uh, I just had a thought. A, a, a big rumor back in 2011 was that Diane Nelson, the president of DC Comics, was a big proponent in just relaunching everything. I wonder if that's something that's coming from the top again. From on high. She's yeah. yeah. She's actually been away with illness or a family situation. She has not been um involved of late. Well, that could that could that could be a thing too. Uh, yeah, right. That there's changing uh changing hands. Well, and they could be they could just be going over her head. Or or behind her back, I guess is the better the better phrase. Sure. Obviously, a lot of speculation on our part and on the part of, you know, the, the outlets that we're reporting this from. Um, I don't know that it's the end of the world, but I also don't know that there's nothing here. I think that this is something to follow for sure. And I'll tell you this. For me, from my perspective, when Marvel raised the prices of their books, I was a lot more critical of the content inside them. And it became extremely easy to justify stopping the purchase of certain books that I just kind of didn't care that much about when I realized I was paying $4 for something I wasn't terribly invested in. Because The magnifying glass enhances. Exactly. And so now we've all been talking about how great the DC books are. We'll see how great people think they are when they're spending $4 on them on top That's of the a very fact good that point. they're bi-monthly. Yeah, man. And I, I think uh, to take it back to that Twitter user's comments, I, I really hope that DC listens to some of this feedback and adjusts the plan because I think bringing the price point up, okay, fine. But I think keeping the digital copy then is probably a good way to soften that blow, you know? And if you do need to revoke that code at some point in the future, maybe do that, you know, down the line when this storm has already passed. We we um, kind of we, we kind of glanced over the most important thing here. 
Uh, Grant Morrison on Green Lantern? Um, that sounds fucking dope. Yeah, I know. I don't know how to feel about that. I feel like that could be cool. I think that's amazing. I, I think that Grant sounds Morrison fucking dope. Would destroy that book. Like he would. Oh man! And and the rumor mill is saying Liam Sharp uh, to oh. join him. That's that's oh. crazy. Has he ever done anything significant with Green Lantern before? No, uh, Morrison. No. Yeah, Morrison. To my knowledge. So I mean, that's really just, cool too. Right? Just, just Justice League. Right. Nothing right. spotlighted. So. Yeah. So it's like one of the big pillars that he hasn't really tackled yet. So, and and also the headline: uh, Grant Morrison back working within mainline continuity in DC on a monthly yeah. title. That's insane. That's a big deal. Yeah, because he, he's been so busy on TV and uh, doing his own stuff, and he's got a, he, he was a, pu- a publisher on a magazine too. He's a busy guy. Yeah, he's, yeah, right, he's, right. Yeah, he's in charge metal, of right? heavy metal, heavy metal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, we'll keep you guys posted. <laughs> And um, wait, I'm sorry. I just want to point out, Kale accidentally said heady metal, and that's like, re- it's, and it's like not to make fun of you mispronouncing it. Just with the fact that Grant Morrison was the one who was publishing it, <laughs> that's like actually pretty appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that's that tracks. So we'll keep you guys Sean posted is. on the issue. Uh, I am, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting what's going on right now. And I can't wait to see where we're at with this in a year. So uh, let us know your thoughts. Is DC alienating you with this price increase um, and the loss of the digital uh, code? Is that something that really turns you off from, from DC? Or do you not care? I'm dying to hear what you guys think. So let us know in the comments. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a rating and a comment if you so choose. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals wherever your social media is sold. So you can hit us up on there. Let us know your thoughts. Best way to get to us is to write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Uh, be sure to let us know your thoughts on this or any other episode of the Comics Pals. Uh, you can write in with a random question of the week, a buy or sell, or anything you feel like discussing, and we'll read it on the air. Um, even if you're a jerk. You know, we read, we read those too. We, uh, we do. Um, uh, and then, of course, last but certainly not least, we are on YouTube where you can leave us a like, drop us a comment, subscribe to our channel, and share. Uh, share the video. Um, and, of course, if you do all those things and you let us know what your favorite moment from Avengers Infinity War is on our Avengers Infinity War review, which is episode 79, you will be entered to win the Deadpool Cares package, which, of course, includes... 10 trades of the Daniel Way run on Deadpool. So, let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on episode 81 of the Comics Pals. Excuse me. If you want to get some more content from me, uh, remember you can check out uh, all the other stuff that I do here on the channel, um, which is basically all the shows. I'm on the Video Game Pals with Sean, uh, which posts the day after this one. Um... I actually don't know what we're going to be talking this week, so that was probably a poor plug. Uh, we've also got the Riverdale Review with me, Kale, and Marco. Um, we're going to be uh, – we've only got, what, two more episodes before the uh, – Two more episodes. Yeah, before the season – or two more episodes, including the big season finale, where we're going to be having all of our favorite guests back on. Uh, should be a great time. Uh, I should say a few of our favorite guests. And um, 
Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Go check it out if you're a fan of Riverdale. And uh, I'm also on Pals Play, our Let's Play show, Monday through Thursday, with Thompson from the video game Pals. Uh, the last couple weeks, we've been messed up and not been able to get our streams going over on twitch.tv slash thecomicspals, but we should be back this week. Um, you know, we had a couple technical issues, but uh, going to be looking forward to that. So if you've got any ideas for games you'd like to see us play or stream, you can let me know by hitting me up on social media, at loud underscore Pete, on both Twitter and Instagram, and uh, let me know what you'd like to see us play. Awesome. Kale? You Quiet your my... juicy lips, Kale. I'm Earth 2 Marco, and I'm back to my plugs. <laughs> As you know, I am the moderator on the subreddit to boycott the new Swamp Thing movie and to boycott the Long Box podcast. <laughs> Fuck that show. <laughs> and as always, you can find me on Earth 2 Marco Enimoto on Twitter and Instagram. Back to you, Kale. <laughs> Thank you for the juice. I think thank you for the juicy lips compliment. I I think it was a compliment. Boy oh boy, I'm I'm unfianced and I've 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 gone verklempt. What? Are you okay? (laughs) Is Kill having a stroke? (laughs) (laughs) And as always, read Man Thing comics. Oh, you boy. can uh, oof. you can find panels work at selfie.com slash panels publishing. You can find us on uh, Comixology under uh, panels publishing. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. He's so thrown out of whack, Phil. Well, Kale got my jingle wrong last week, so uh, just. So you guys, know. I made the jingle. No, I have my own jingle, which is if you <laughs> like God. comics and dad bods, you can follow Phil at CyberBebop. That's C Y B O R G B S I B O B B O P. Anyway, um, uh, I had a thing that we forgot to mention. I don't remember what it was. Oh, great! Shit. Yeah. Anyway, tell your friends book about club? us. Maybe. Something? Oh yeah, there's a new book club. There will be there a, will new, be book a new book club. Uh, uh, I didn't know. What, I forgot what day was coming out. <laughs> You're killing it, bud. You're killing it. <laughs> so I guess it comes out in June, doesn't what, it? What What you're referring to is the uh, book club on Snot Girl, which I believe releases in two weeks, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. On the oh, okay. on Friday the twenty fifth, I believe. So yes, that's oh, the one. Friday the twenty fifth. I remember what I was actually going to say. Uh, next week we're going to be at Philadelphia Wizard World, so if you guys are going to be there, Woo! come say hello to us. Uh, Kale won't be there; he lives in a different planet. But uh, Sean, well, I'm going to be late. Yeah, you guys might catch me toward the end, but uh, Sean, Pete, Marco, and I will be there. So if you guys are there, come say hello, and uh, we'll we'll uh, be amicable. And uh, we'll probably have some interviews and stuff on YouTube coming, and you can check those out too. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and we'll uh, we'll give you a free sticker. Maybe. Also, uh, the new Deadpool movie is coming out, and I believe we're doing a review of that. So yes, we're doing all the things. Uh, we're doing all the things. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter only at Sean Soapbox, where you can tell me what I am. And with that, which is Sean. <laughs> with that. We're the comics about signing off. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week, babies. Bye.